Welcome into another Busting Brackets podcast. I'm your host, Brian Ralph, joined as always by Connor Hope. Today we're joined by a couple more Busting Bracket writers. We have Neil Adler and Jay Anderson. Today we're going to talk mostly about the ACC, but first want to touch on some of the biggest games from the past week and over the weekend. I think the biggest one of which, going off the ACC, was that Duke-Virginia showdown, the rematch on Saturday night. Duke came out 1-10, by 10, I think, show some things that a lot of people were hoping to see from them, particularly their outside shooting. Uh, Jay, we'll start with you. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from that game? Um, I, I, I guess, I guess it kind of solidified that Duke is probably the best team in the ACC. Um, they stumbled, a, they stumbled in the game against Syracuse after they lost. I mean, after they beat Duke. So I kind of left them at two. I mean, after they beat, UVA, but so I left them at two. So, I mean, I guess that win there, you know, makes them the best team in the conference. Yeah. Neil, what do you think? I mean, I think after beating Virginia uh, in Charlottesville on Saturday, I, I think Duke's not just the best team in the ACC. I think they're the best team in the country. And, you know, we can argue back and forth about, you know, six to eight teams that maybe is you know, considered the best team in the country. But, you know, if Duke shoots anywhere near like they did against UVA in the <laughs> tournament, no one's going to come close to beating them. They shot 62% from three. Right. And I think on the year, they're like a 29%, yeah. you know, from, from three-point land. So, you know, you got all the all the stuff inside from Zion and RJ, et cetera. But if, you know, Cam and, and the rest of the crew are – are hitting from three, they're not going to lose to anyone. I mean, they just looked, they looked really, really impressive. And, you know, the other thing about Duke is that I think their defense is kind of underrated. Now, you know, I know they lost to Syracuse in overtime and they gave up 95 points and they didn't have Trey Jones for, for most of that game. They didn't have Cam Reddish at all. And, you know, no one's going to go undefeated, but their, their defense is pretty solid. Um, I really like this Duke team. My biggest thing with Duke, you know, uh, when we get into March Madness is their four best players are freshmen, and I think they play beyond their years. I think they're a mature group. But when you get in a one-and-done situation, if like UVA saw last year with UMBC, if your opponent is hot and you start to kind of fret a little bit, then, you know, you could get bounced. But I really like this Duke team. They looked really good against uh, Virginia on Saturday. Yeah, I, I think they're the best team in the country too, especially if, if Reddish is now out of his slump yeah. the way he's been shooting the ball. I mean, he came out of high school with, reputa with the reputation as being one of the best shooters in this class. And, and while Duke has struggled to shoot the three, they're not a team full of bad shooters. They just have guys who have been inconsistent, uh, maybe struggled with shot selection at times, particularly R.J. Barrett. But they have a team of guys who can shoot, and when you have a knockdown guy like Barrett who's now starting to make his shots – I think it kind of opened things up for them. Connor, I know you're you're very high on Gonzaga as maybe the best team in the country. Do you think Duke's the best team in the country? Do you think it's Gonzaga? Do you think it's someone else? I think that after this game this weekend, it's no. I think it's no question that Duke's the best team in the country. Um, people are always going to point to their losses. Uh, their first loss was, what, the fifth or sixth game of the season against a very experienced Gonzaga team in Hawaii. So it's not like it was at home to a nobody. They lost to another team that's probably a top 
four to five team in the country who right. is full of juniors and seniors and, 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 and a grad transfer and in, in a, in a place that's what, six hours behind them in the time zones and Gonzaga didn't have to travel as far. Um, and then their second loss was at home, but it was to a, a team that just happened to catch them when they were missing two of their best players. Yeah. But at full strength, when everything's clicking, I think there's no doubt that Duke is the best team in the country. And I th don't even know if the margin is that close anymore. I think yeah. when Duke is clicking and firing on all cylinders, there's no team in the country that can beat them. Yeah, uh, I, I think I would agree with that as well. So you highlighted the weekend, but there were several other big games from the weekend or even the past week that whose results had, I think, a major impact on the AP rankings and, and the way we were looking at these teams now as we hit the middle of February. Jay, of, of the results maybe of this weekend or late last week outside of that Duke game, what was the one that maybe stood out to you the most? Um, I I can only have one. <laughs> you could have as many as you like, I guess, but the, the, um, the big ones. Um, I mean, I guess my 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 I had I only had two, but my biggest two were um, UNC. Um, just the emergence of Kobe White. Um, what he's been doing. I mean, he's averaging what eighteen point five point per game in ACC play. He had thirty three points on eleven of sixteen shooting in an overtime victory over Miami. Um, that you UNC, they're they're another team I think who 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 have has those Final Four odds um un, under their belt. I th I think they can go far in the tournament if they are all clicking on all cylinders. Um, it's 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 been an interesting game tonight for them too. I think they're still up. Um, as I watch Kobe White just hit a three. Um. So, looking for the score. Give me a second. I don't think they're going to show it. They teased me. But, yeah, and then my other team was uh, Clemson. They've, they've won four games in a row after starting uh, one and four in ACC play. They're at five and five now. They've got a – I consider it a big game for them coming up against Miami on Wednesday. So, I mean, if they can get over that 500 hump and get a couple more wins heading into the last month of the season, I think they can get, get off that that bubble that they're, they've been sitting on there. Yeah, Neil, what do you think? What what stood out to you from the weekend? Yeah, definitely good call on Clemson. They had the win over Virginia Tech, and obviously the Hokies <laughs> are uh, man <laughs> sliding a little bit, especially with Robinson not playing, uh, which is a shame because they totally crushed my uh, Syracuse Orange a couple weeks back. You know, besides Clemson, and if we're talking ACC, we got to give some props to Florida State. You know, the Seminoles had a pretty good non-conference slate. I think they were twelve and one. And then they started off ACC play. They really struggled. Now, granted, it was against some, some – they lost to some good teams, although I think they also lost to Pitt and BC, nothing against those two squads. But um, they kind of turned it on. They beat uh, Syracuse up in the Dome by 18 points. And then uh, over the weekend, they beat Louisville. And Louisville's been really hot. And they, they beat them at home, and I think it was in overtime. So, um, you know, the Seminoles are looking pretty good right now. And, uh, Five. You know, they, they went to the Elite Eight last year. They're really, really deep. They're really tall. They're really athletic, and they got a really good coach. So look out for the Seminoles. Yeah, I, I think they're starting to play at a high level. And Clemson, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was their first Quadrant One win of the year. Yeah, my um, which for as much as they returned, I think I was hoping to see more out of them this year. But I think that in terms of the bubble conversation, 
um, that's something that certainly plays in their favor. Connor, what about you? What what really stood out to you this weekend aside from Gonzaga's like 80-point win over St. Mary's? Yeah, I didn't even watch the game against St. Mary's, to be 100% honest with you. But uh, the, the three games that I actually – well, I guess two games I paid a lot of attention to and one anomaly that just really confused me. Um, I, I really liked – Marquette this weekend I've been kind of weary of them a little bit um but and it looked like they were gonna give up a pretty sizable lead to Villanova but they were able to pull it out and uh other than that one one game out west that really intrigued me was Grand Canyon against New Mexico State I think there's always this sense of Grand Canyon this is the year they're finally going to take it to the top of the the whack uh it's not going to be this year Again, <laughs> New Mexico State. New Mexico State is is a little bit lesser of a dominance than Gonzaga, but you know, in the whack where the travel's tough and, and everything like that, it's it's really cool to see that New Mexico State's been able to kind of build a little bit of a dynasty uh, down in New Mexico. Um, but other than that, the anomaly Pac-12 basketball. Oh, the fact that Washington State <laughs> went to Arizona. <laughs> And won back-to-back games. And I think one of the biggest things to take away from that is Arizona State, in the same weekend, has the worst loss in Pac-12 play and the best win in Pac-12 play with a loss at home to Washington State and then a win over the formerly undefeated Washington Huskies. So uh, the West is a mess, as always. (laughs) but those were the two games that I think had any sort of intrigue. Well, that, that, I think that stretch sums up Arizona State perfectly, right? Right. With consistent as, as they've been. Just, I, I thought the, the loss Washington State for Arizona, I thought that took them off the bubble. I, I thought they were on the wrong side of it going into the week, and then that loss, I think, took them off. I think they're going to have a hard time getting back into that conversation. And I, I think – even with the win against Washington, I think Arizona State's loss to Washington State moved them maybe to the wrong side of the bubble. I don't think that Washington was enough to overcome that. That was surprising to see. The ACC doesn't have as many teams necessarily in that bubble conversation. I think there, there are, are five teams that are probably locks, five or six teams that are locks. You have a couple more that feel good about their chances. Then you have a, a couple teams like Clemson and NC State. I don't think we can put Pitt in that conversation anymore. Um, but I think NC State and, and Clemson are those two ACC teams you look at as being the most on the bubble. Uh, Connor, do you think both those teams get in, one of those teams get in, uh, or neither of those get in? Um, I I want to say that if either of the, if there's going to be one that gets in and one that doesn't, I'd still probably give it to NC State. Um, I still like their win against Auburn, even though Auburn's taken a, a bit of a hit. But also their losses. They have one bad (laughs) loss on their schedule, and it was an away game to Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. But every one of their other losses is 218 that's currently in the top 25. So it's not like their schedule is full or even has many bad losses. It has the one loss to Wake Forest, and and that's about it. Every other team I think we could all expect to beat NC State. Yeah, and – Jay, what's your take on those two teams? Um, do you think NC State ha- has done enough, or do you think Clemson has done enough? Or what are you wanting to see from them in order for them to feel confident on Selection Sunday that they've gotten in that large bid? 
Um, I, I think NC State probably still needs to get, what, one or two more wins in conference play. Um, they've got – who they've got up on their schedule? They've got Syracuse, Duke, Boston College, Wake, FSU, Georgia Tech, Boston College twice. So, I mean, yeah, given their schedule, I, I, I think they'll, they'll make the, the tournament. I think Clemson probably has the most work to do um, given the expectations and – where they currently are at eighth in the ACC right now. Um, but, yeah, if they can get above 500 and stay above 500, I think they'll have a better chance. But you know how those conference tournaments go where you've got to win one or two to still feel safe. So I, th- I think they'll be one of those teams that sitting on the edge of their seat selection Sunday. Yeah. Neil, I'll pose the question to you in a little bit different way. Sure. Uh, those two teams are on the bubble. Do you think anybody above them could be sliding back into that kind of bubble territory come such a Sunday? Uh, and do you think anybody maybe below them could put themselves in the bubble conversation? Sure. Um, well, I hate to say it, but my alma mater, Syracuse, you know, they're 17 and seven right now, eight and three in the conference, which looks pretty solid. They're in a tie for fourth, but they, their last seven games before the ACC tournament, um, four out of the seven are on the road and four out of the seven are against ranked teams. They got UVA, Duke, and Louisville at home. They have NC State on the road this Wednesday, and then they have UNC on the road coming up. So right now they're looking better in terms of bubble positioning uh, than Clemson and NC State, but I think they could take a real slide if they don't pick up a couple of these wins. And they've got NC State, like I've just mentioned, uh, this Wednesday on the road. And then they have, I think their last game of the the regular season is at Clemson. So, you know, I think Syracuse looks better than both those teams right now because they have a better ACC record, but their non-conference record wasn't great. And I think if they lose to both those teams and don't get a couple wins against those, those heavyweights, I think one or more of the NC State and Clemson can move up. And unfortunately, I think my Syracuse Orange could move down. It wouldn't be a normal year unless Syracuse is on the bubble. <laughs> right? You know, and then we'll go just, to the final four. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the way it works. Yeah. You know, um, I think we could all expect Duke to make the final four or at least make a run to the final four. Um, outside of Duke, though, Neil, who do you think is the most well equipped from the conference to make that long run? Is it Virginia? Yeah. Is it UNC? Is it someone else? You know, I've been saying all along to myself this year that I feel like UVA, given, you know, the success they've had in the regular season these last bunch of years, but then flaming out in the big dance, including in 2016 when they gave up a 15-point second-half lead in the Elite Eight to Syracuse, um, and then obviously the UM, UMBC debacle last year, you, you know, they, they get a lot of um, heat and a lot of criticism because they have, they've had these great regular season records, but haven't done a lot uh, in the NCAA tournament. I, I feel like this could be their year. Um, I feel like even though they lost the other day to Duke and Duke is just, you know, I think head and shoulders above a lot of the, these teams when they're hitting three point shots, Virginia obviously has the pack line defense and they're just really strong um, on that side of the, the court. Uh, their offense, I feel like this year is better than it has been in years past. I think they have more offensive weapons. I think they're a better shooting team. They still play at a slow tempo, tempo, but you know what happened to them against UMBC is UMBC caught fire, and since 
um, Virginia plays such a slow tempo, they just didn't have enough possessions. I think uh, this year they're going to get past the first round, and, and I could see them making a run. I mean, as we all know, in the, in the NCAA tournament, it's all about, you know, matchups and all that. But I like Virginia. You know, I, well, UNC is beating uh, Virginia by four right now with seven minutes to go, so they could end up winning this game. You, the Tar Heels are like – I can't figure them out. I mean, they beat – <laughs> they have some other good wins. They beat Louisville on the road two weeks ago. But then, you know, they have a couple losses. They're really good on offense. I don't think they're as good on defense as some of these other teams. And they're always known for rebounding and doing well in the paint. And they don't have that as much this year. So I could see UNC going to the Final Four or losing in the second round like they did last year to AM. Uh, if I had to choose my two teams from the ACC that I think are, have the best shot at the Final Four, it's Duke and Virginia, and I know that's uh, a totally safe uh, prognostication, but I'd go with those two. Yeah. Well, they're at the top for a reason. Right? <laughs> and Jay, I'll bring that conversation about UNC to you because they have been a team that's been this year and has some really good wins, but also has had a lot of games where they haven't looked so good. And as Neil said, they're the kind of team that, with those performances, could get knocked out early like they did last year against Texas A&M. Or uh, I think they have the potential to make a long run if everything breaks right. What do you think is more likely for them, falling out earlier or making a long run and potentially making Final Four? Um, as I always tell the, the the Fire Roy crowd, as I call them, <laughs> they come out every year and they always run Roy fired after after a loss, after they have a big win. Um, Roy Williams is one of the – more, more patient coaches in, in the game. I mean, they've won seven games in a row now. Um, they're, they're, they're fighting hard at home against UVA, who's a tough, tough team for anybody to face. So, I mean, f- from that standpoint, I, I, I think they're equipped to make a long run, but it's like you said, they could, they could make a long run or lose the second round in a, to stay in them like they did last year. So, I mean, I'm I'm gonna play devil's advocate and say they make a long run just because I like what Kobe White does with the ball in his hands and I just you know March is a magical time so <laughs> if there's a magical guy to pick I'm I'm picking Kobe White. Kobe Kobe White's a stud and he's been getting better as the years gone on and not many teams I think are equipped to handle a six five point guard that can do all the things that he does. Yeah. So it's gonna be fun to watch him in March for sure. Connor, one team that has sort of, I don't want to say broken out, but really overachieved is Louisville. I have some questions about how far they can go because I still think, uh, even though Chris Mack has done an excellent job, that there is a little bit of a talent deficiency on that team at the top when you talk about them competing with some of the better teams in the country and making a long run in the tournament. Do you see them as a viable threat in the tournament, and what do you make of them the job Chris Mack has done this year? I think it has a lot to do with matchups in the tournament. I think they are a team that can match up well with certain teams in the tournament. I think that they rebound extremely well. Um, but I think I think there are teams that are going to, to just be too much talent-wise. Uh, but I did say, I did tweet this out over the weekend, and I know it's going to change because there's still a month left of the season. But after this... Uh, top 16 reveal when they were put as the four seed out West. I felt like Louisville was the going to be the toughest challenge for the one seed in Gonzaga 
as opposed to the two and three seeds in Michigan State and Kansas. And I think that one of their biggest strengths is they do have that bit of talent deficiency um, in the the two through five, two through six scores, but they're not relying on any one player to score. I mean, you you kind of they play a more team style behind Jordan Wara. And um, I think that that's uh, something that can give some teams trouble. But as for a deep run, I wouldn't say, I would say that the three that are most equipped are Duke, UNC, and Virginia. And I think behind them, you know, I think Louisville's a second weekend team. I think that Florida State could be a second weekend team. But I just don't think that anyone besides those three can make it to the final weekend. Yeah. Well, the other team that have been up there for most of the season is, is Virginia Tech. And Jay, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you a little bit about Virginia Tech. <laughs> uh, there are some people who are all in on the Hokies and what they can do. Uh, I know they don't have Justin Robinson right now, um, but he's one of the better point guards in the country. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, projected lottery pick in the NBA. A lot of people like this team, but they haven't necessarily backed it up all of the time this year. What do you make of the Hokies, and, and how far do you think they can go? I mean – I mean, let's see. They they've lost what two of three since they lost Justin Robinson. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it it's hard, but given their schedule, I mean, they they only got UVA, Duke, and FSU left, who are really like those challenging squads on their schedule. Um, I mean, with them, it's my biggest issue with them is depth. It always has been depth. Um. This injury couldn't come at a worse time. Um, I, I, I would just say I think they make the tournament, but they could be one of those teams that on that first weekend, things could fall out of their favor. I, I hate to say it, um, but I mean, given the way things have gone, I just really, really hope they get Justin Robinson back. <laughs> they haven't really said much about him, <laughs> so it really doesn't make you feel good about the situation. Um, but I mean, shoot. Yeah. It's, it's tough to predict, especially being a fan. Cause I mean, yeah, they, coming in, coming in, I mean, they were what at one point they only had three losses on the whole season. Now they got five losses. You know, that Clemson loss was not a very, yeah, <laughs> wasn't a very good one to, to like, that's one you really want to burn the tape and don't want to talk about. So, <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I mean, they went from being a top ten team at one point uh, to people wondering yeah. just how kind of good they they were. And I think some of that speaks to Justin Robinson and the impact that that he has on that team. Um, I, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the conference or even in the country. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows about the R.J. Barretts, Zion Williamsons, uh, the Kobe Waits, Kyle Guys, DeAndre Hunters, guys who play for those you know, real top end national programs, but guys like Justin Robinson tend to fly under the radar nationally and can have a major impact on those, those teams and whether they can compete with the Dukes, UNC's Virginia, Virginia's or what have you. Uh, Neil, I'm interested. Who are maybe some other guys who maybe fly under the radar a little bit that could have a big impact for their teams the rest of the year, when it comes to uh, making the NCAA tournament or not. Uh, And then someone who could propel a team, Outside of that top group, maybe an unsung hero to a win or two in the tournament. 
Well, I'll be a homer to start for my Syracuse Orange. You know, if, if, if they get into the tournament, you know, we're, you guys were all talking about teams that we think can go, can go far from the ACC in March Madness. If Syracuse can hang on here and actually get in, you know, the last two times they played in 16 and 18, they were at 10 and 11, and they went to the Final Four one year. And last year they went to the Sweet 16. So I think if they can get in, even if they're a 8, 9, 10, 11 seed, if Tyus Battle, who I who I think is one of the five or six best players in the ACC, I don't think he's a player of the year candidate, but he 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 can light it up. If he gets going in the NCAA tournament, I think they could upset some people and get to the Sweet 16. I don't think they're an Elite Eight or Final Four team, but I think they could do some damage. We're talking about some other ACC teams. You know, I really like um, Marquise Reed from Clemson. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, Clemson, again, is I think – probably on the outside of the bubble looking in right now. I think they're 15 and eight, I think five and five in conference, but they just beat Virginia Tech. There was pretty high expectations for them coming to this year. They got to the Sweet 16 last year and and they have a good coach um, and they kind of have been stumbling a bit, but I, I think that they have an opportunity because they'll play teams like Syracuse that could be other bubble teams. Um, I think they have a real opportunity to, uh, to uh, get play themselves into the big dance. Um, so I like Marquise Reed. Yeah. Connor, what about you? Maybe someone not to necessarily watch for the player of the year race, because I think we can all agree that Zion's going to win ACC player of the year. I think he's got that pretty much locked up at this point. Um, but who would maybe someone else? Um, is it Tyus Battle or, or someone else that you like to look for that's kind of flying under the radar in the conference? I mean, is Tyus Battle really – Still flying under the radar, though. I think, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, probably he probably is flying under the radar. I think that there's a lot of talent at the top that people are watching that he's kind of right um, taking a back seat. Um, I, I I'm not sure you can rely on Tyus Battle right. to win you games. Like he he'll he'll be a a top player for Syracuse, no doubt. But when it comes to uh, you're going to w- rely on one player to win you games. I'm not sure Tyus Battle is necessarily consistently that player. Um, but other than him. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kobe White just made a, a, a three off one foot. <laughs> to, <laughs> Carolina up three shot clock with two seconds left. I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. Kobe White's special, man. <laughs> Every time I watch him play, I fall more and more in love with his game. <laughs> um, the one player that I actually have been really impressed with that I think doesn't get as much press as he probably should is Trent Forrest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he's pretty consistent for Florida State doing everything but shooting the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of hurts him. Um, he's a guard that can't shoot threes, but I mean, he does a lot of the dirty work for Florida state and, and you've got, you know, other players like Terrence Mann that get a lot more of the, I guess, credit. Are we sleeping on Florida state a little bit, Connor? Uh, I mean, they returned most of the team from the the group that made the elite eight last year. They've done a, a decent job during the season for the most part. Are they, are they being slept on a little bit? I mean, I think they are. I think that they are being not necessarily un- – it's understandable. They did lose to Pitt and Boston College in back-to-back games. Right. But, I, I mean, their other three losses are to 
Duke, Virginia, and Villanova. So I don't know if they are uh, a Final Four contender, but they're definitely a team that could get to the second weekend and win a Sweet 16 game. It's it's just a matter of which one of those second players is going to show up for them. They have what I think is Fiondu Kagan Bele. I mean, he's their leading scorer. He doesn't even start for them. And then it's usually like Terrence Mann or MJ Walker that usually picks up the scoring load outside from there. So, I mean, they, they have the formula that they can do it. It's just a matter of what will they? Because, I mean, they're always on that fringe Sweet 16 Elite Eight, but they never really make it past there. Yeah, I think a lot of Fair point their chances of making a run in March have to do with matchups. Yeah. yeah. The way the way their defense is, uh, I I think can either lead to some really big wins or if you're able to handle their pressure, can lead to some really big losses. Yeah. Um, I want to look more kind of on on the the downside, the back end of the ACC right now, Neil. Um, I know Danny Manning at Wake Forest is facing a lot of heat. There are some questions about some of the other coaches in the conference and maybe their job security moving forward. Um, who in the conference do you see as being really on the hot seat and, and which schools may be looking for a new head coach in April? That's a, that's an interesting question. Let me, uh, let me think about that real quickly. Yeah. I mean, I definitely um, Danny Manning, who by the way, was one of my favorite college players when I was a young tyke, uh, you know, he played at Kansas and took them all the way. Uh, just awesome. But Wake's really struggled this year, which means if Syracuse goes to Wake later this year and loses, I'm going to be uh, super, super <laughs> upset there. Um, you know, obviously Pitt kind of started well, but they're kind of falling off. But Jeff Capel's not getting fired in his right. first year. I think he's done a – considering they didn't win any ACC um, conference games last year. They're yeah, doing, they're going to give him an extension well, probably. Yeah, you know, some other teams that are struggling, but I just don't see their coaches getting – you know, being necessarily on the hot seat are, you know, obviously Miami hasn't hasn't done much this year, although they did take Carolina to overtime over the weekend. But, you know, Jim Laranang is a great coach and they've just, you know, they lost guys to the draft, injuries, uh, other issues. They're just depleted. And Notre Dame and Mike Bray is a terrific coach, been to two elite eights in the last couple of years. And they're just, you know, they've had a hard time with their roster as well, injuries, et cetera. You know, I guess the one other team – that I'm kind of looking at, you know, when you pose this question, I'm looking at the standings is, you know, I'm not sure I've well, actually two teams, Georgia tech and BC, you know, Georgia tech beat Syracuse. They killed Syracuse at the dome a bunch of weeks ago. Um, <laughs> and they have a really good defense, but you know, they, they, they're, they're, they're struggling a bit, but I, you know, it's past they're on the hot seat. I, I don't know. And then BC, you know, they're for me actually been a little there. I think they're 11, 11, a little disappointing. Uh, I kind of figured maybe they might kind of contend for a bid or at least be near 500 in the conference, maybe in the NIT. They got Kai Bowman. But they've just – yeah, they're just – they're 11-11. What can I say? So, you know, I I think out of all those teams I just mentioned, I I would – I guess Manning's probably the the one that's the hottest seat. But, you know, who who knows? I don't don't pretend to have inside information, so – yeah, I, I I do agree. I think those are the three coaches that are the most worried right now. Yeah, the programs are most looking um, potentially to see what else might be out there. Right, uh, Jay, of those three, uh, Georgia Tech, BC, 
um, and then Wake Forest, which one do you think maybe is the most likely to make a change? Um, I would say BC. Um, I mean, Jim Christian's in his fifth, yeah, what two, fifth season. Um, they're at 11 11 right now. Um, went 19 and 16 last year. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think they've taken a step back. Yeah, they lost um, Jerome Robinson to the draft. Um, I know Winston Tabs for them is hurt, who was doing very well for them at the beginning of freshman guard. They had he's he's been out and hurt for them. So I know that's falling off a little on their progress, but I mean still I, I would still assume the expectation there is for them to be a little bit better than 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 they were the season prior. Cause I mean, they still got Jordan Chapman back. Stefan Mitchell has taken a huge step back. That's something I've been keeping an eye on this year as well. Um, so yeah, um, I would think BC would, would, would be the closest school to making the change. Um, but I mean, Georgia Tech probably isn't far behind them. Connor, I'll pose the same question to you. Uh, which one of those coaches uh, maybe most likely to be gone? And then I guess, let's just say those three are open. Which one of those jobs, the Wake Forest, Boston College, Georgia Tech job, would be the most appealing? Uh, I'd probably agree that BC is probably the most likely to make the change. Um, of those three jobs, I mean, from an optics standpoint, and for me, I'd maybe say Wake Forest. Um, but I don't necessarily think that any of those jobs are – overly appealing i think <laughs> that like the, all three programs are in such just a state of disarray that i don't know if you, you'd want i mean it's not like you're coming in it's not like Bayheimer or, or k is retiring and you're coming in and taking over a, a program that you just need to 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 continue what they're doing right they're they're almost in a total need of rebuild so yeah yeah i i think in the past Georgia Tech may have been because there's always that allure of the Atlanta recruits and the, the state of Georgia recruits that you have access to. But now that Tom Crean's in Georgia and has had success, as we saw today with Anthony Edwards committing yeah. to Georgia, I think there's some unwanted competition maybe for Georgia Tech, which makes that a little bit tougher. I think Wake's one to watch out for. I know they gave Danny Manning a uh, strange extension at the start of last year when they were really struggling. But uh, Wes Miller, the head coach at UNC Greensboro, is probably going to look to move elsewhere this offseason. And UNC Greensboro is not very far away from Wake Forest. And it could be one of those things where maybe fan pressure forces Wake to make a move maybe before they feel comfortable with or want to to try and get one of those guys like a Wes Miller. I, I would not be surprised to see that happen despite Manning getting extension last offseason. All right, and we'll wrap up. I want to get some predictions from you guys. Conference tournament, who do you guys think think wins the ACC tournament? And then which ACC team do you think will go the furthest in the NCAA tournament? Whether that means uh, making the Final Four, championship game, maybe uh, Duke, Virginia, UNC, somebody winning it all. Neil, start with you. Who do you see winning the ACC tournament? Who do you see going the furthest in March? Oh, I wanted everyone else to go first. So. <laughs> Pressure's on. Go. <laughs> well, you know, I, I wrote about it the other day after the Duke beat UVA that I think the NCAA tournament is Duke's to lose. So I'll start 
with that part, even though technically the conference tournaments come from. I think Duke's again, if they're shooting the way they're shooting, I think they're going to win the whole thing. And it would so logically, I'm supposed to pick them to win the ACC tournament, but I feel like they're going to win the regular season AC, uh, ACC title, the NCAA title, but that someone else is going to win the conference tournament. And I'm going to go with. I'll go with Virginia. They're up by six over North Carolina with 30 seconds to go at UNC. And I think I, I'll pick I'll pick Virginia to win the ACC tournament. They're 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 right there with Duke. Yeah. I mean, I think Duke has more offensive firepower, more quote unquote talent, but UVA's well coached, great defense. Hunter, Jerome Guy are all awesome. So I, I like their chances to go far as well. So Virginia, ACC tournament, Duke, the whole thing. Yeah, Virginia, Virginia seems to be in a good place as long as they don't have to play Duke. Right, exactly. <laughs> Jay, we'll, Jay, we'll go you next. Who wins ACC tournament? Who goes the furthest in March? Um, I'm going to throw a wild card. I think I think Louisville will win the ACC tournament. Just, just they have that team. They have that formula that if if, if they're playing on the first night and they and they they get a good run going, they they could end up making it all the way to the the end. So I'll go with Louisville winning the. ACC tournament, and then uh, for the most to lose in the NCAA tournament, I'd say Duke, just because there's still that 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 foreshadowing with with the inexperienced freshmen, but they still got the talent that if if they're clicking on all cylinders, they're pretty much unstoppable. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I would go Duke to win the national title as well. Um, ACC tournament might be a little bit different, uh, but I, I just don't I don't I don't see Duke losing. Um, you know, they may lose. They'll probably split with the UNC in the regular season. Right. Um, but I, I, I don't see them losing on a neutral court like that. Connor, with you, ACC tournament, who goes furthest in March? Um, I'm going to go Virginia for the ACC tournament. Uh, they just beat scores final 69-61. They just beat UNC in Chapel Hill. Um, Big win. And, I mean, other than Gonzaga and the WCC, I still subscribe to the philosophy that it's really tough to beat a team three times in the same season. Mm-hmm. And so I think that regardless of whether Virginia meets Duke or not, I would probably still pick Virginia to win. Um, I think it would be easier if they didn't have to meet Duke, but I think that right now it'll be the two of them in the ACC championship. And then furthest in the tournament, I mean, I'm probably going to – regardless of matchup pencil duke in to win the national championship so i'm going to go with duke um one question i had and we would be remiss to have an acc discussion without mentioning zion williamson oh is, yeah that guy is, uh we haven't mentioned him once today and it's been what 35 minutes 40 minutes almost so um obviously he's making headlines as the biggest athletic freak uh, uh, in the ncaa but there are a lot of people out there who are saying that he is not an instant NBA talent because he can't shoot. And I just wanted to to let you guys take that and run with it because I'm seeing it more and more and more about the fact that all he does is bull rush the basket and he can't shoot. I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll start us off by saying number one, Ben Simmons doesn't shoot. So who cares? So who cares? Um, threes this year. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, yes, he's. I think maybe two, three, and I don't think he's made one yet. Uh, yeah. Zion's at least shooting threes, and he's making he's making a couple. He's had, he's had, I think, since December, 
uh, I think he's only had two or three games in which he hasn't made a three. So not only is he willing to shoot them, uh, he's making some. And he's not a great shooter, but he's at least decent enough to where the defense has to respect it. And he's shooting it enough to where the defense has to respect it, which forces them out and opens up more driving lanes for him. Uh, nobody in college is as quick or as strong as, as Zion is. And that that's his big advantage in college, and he's playing up to it. In the NBA, there's only a handful of guys who are as big and, and quick as Zion is. So he's going to be able to have immediate success playing that bully ball. That's an actually bully ball, so to speak, because he can either run through you, around you, or jump over you. And that's not going to change for 80% of the guys, 90% of the guys in the NBA. He's still going to have success. Uh, I think that's just people, you know, feeling like they heard too much of to have heard too much about him like they did about Trey Young last year. Yeah. Uh, so they're just trying to find ways to discredit him and, and say he's not a, not that good. Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, if you want to talk defense, I mean, kid jump from the block to block a shot at the three-point <laughs> line. I mean, <laughs> can't get no credit for doing nothing these days. It's just like, who's who's doing that? I remember somebody compared him to uh, Rodney Rogers, and it's like, no, like, <laughs> no. Right, and and everybody's like well did you see him play I mean you can go look up the tape but Rodney Rogers was like overweight for 60% of his basketball career so it's just kind of like Zion Williamson like the only comparison you can make in terms of who plays like him is LeBron James and LeBron James didn't go to college. So I think that's where people get, get that whole, well, he can't shoot stuff from because everybody said LeBron couldn't shoot and right. see how far he's gotten. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and for me, the thing is, is that they, you know, you can talk about his offense all you want, but I think his defense is almost yeah. the perfect antithesis to the way the NBA is going where these NBA wings are now creating a ton of space to shoot threes. And a lot of the, the wing defenders just aren't quick enough to get out and, and close that space. Zion Williamson is quick enough to do that. And you can't take, I mean, DeAndre Hunter, you can talk all you want about how long it took him to take that three-point shot. But the fact of the matter is, is that Zion Williamson took one step out of the paint, another yeah. step, jumped, and blocked it full hand. It wasn't right. like a tip block. I mean, he right. blocked that full hand. Right. And so that ability to to close out the space on defense is going to be something that is almost a welcome change to kind of temper the a little bit the, uh, the three-point barrage. Yeah, he's quick enough to guard players on the perimeter. He's strong enough to guard players in the post. And there's nothing that he can't do defensively. Uh, and you add in his athletic upside offensively, his floor is maybe as a as a you know a starter, and his ceiling is you know MVP candidate, one of the top players in the league. We haven't seen a guy like that come out um, really since since LeBron, or at least in a, in a very long time, where you just knew from their skill and physical gifts that they were going to be a really good player, even if nothing broke right for them. Right. Yeah, I think the closest you could say coming out in the past decade or so to that was Anthony Davis where you just kind of knew he was going to be a starter in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great point. And Anthony Davis, if I'm not mistaken, his, you know, in 2012, when they went to the, uh, where they won the whole thing over Kansas, I mean, 
he he was the most impactful player on the floor, but he didn't score at all, barely. And he averaged twelve point seven points per game during their tournament run. Exactly, and look at him now. So you know, people, who knows what's going to happen with Zion? We're all trying to predict the future, but he's a ridiculously unique and physically gifted athletic freak, and I mean that in a positive way. And he his shooting will improve. Uh, he's shown he can make some. He's he's shown he can make some shots. Obviously, he's not like, you know, the Splash Brothers. But let's be honest, even though the NBA today is threes, 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 stretch fours, you know, and all that, shoot three-pointers, there's a lot of other good three-point shooters out there. He doesn't have to be the three-point shooter on a team. He, like you said earlier, I think, Brian, you know, if, if he's decent enough where he keeps guys honest, that's important. But just in terms of driving to the hoop, his defense, just – you know the thing I like about him the most? He's just got so much energy and passion. He's just fun to watch. And that's what I was going to say is he's done yeah. the near impossible, which is make yeah. it really hard to hate Duke. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know, these four right? guys are just uh, Trey Jones, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, and Zion Williams, which are just exciting, likable people. They really are. Not like a lot of Duke players in the past, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing too, I'll, I'll say NBA. Uh, Zion gets all, all the all the credit, and I think he deserves it. But I think RJ Barrett is also going to. We're going to look back and be like that was the best number three pick, maybe since Michael Jordan. I, I think RJ Barrett gets slept on a little bit, and he's going to be a star in the NBA too. I, th- I think him, Williamson, and, and Varan are all going to end up being stars. I agree with you, Brian. And I know we mentioned at the onset talking about you know you know ACC Player of the Year. You know, I think part of it is with Zion, everyone thinking he's a like uh, a quote unquote lock to win ACC player of the year, maybe even national player of the year. Um, I think part of that is his, his just his personality. RJ Barrett doesn't seem quite as uh, he's he's a little he's a little bit more reserved. Um, but, you know, I would pose the question to you guys, is is Zion a lock to win ACC player of the year? I mean, last time I checked, RJ Barrett's actually leading the conference and scoring. So why is Zion a lock? Just because he dunks like crazy and he's super awesome to watch, but shouldn't Barrett get consideration? I think it's, it has to do with his, his efficiency and his ability to play defense. Um, He has the highest efficiency rating in the conference. He has the highest effective field goal percentage in the conference, true shooting percentage. He's the number one offensive rating rated player in the conference, number two in defensive rating. So, and RJ Barrett, as much as he scores, he's also takes a lot of shots. <laughs> his usage percentage is through yeah. the roof. Yeah. yeah. So there have been those games where he's gone four for seventeen yeah. from three, like he did against Syracuse. And while he's, I think since then has performed quietly, has performed really, really well uh, with Zion Star and those performances in his past. I think people have sort of overlooked him to the point where he'll get, you know, he'll get some votes, I'm sure, but sure. a large majority of them are going to end up going to Zion. Yeah. No valid points all around. Definitely. Zion's box plus minus right now is 21.6. <laughs> and the next closest ACC player is Braxton key at 12.9. So good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty, it could be amazing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of the busting brackets podcast. My thanks to all the guys for joining us. Make sure you join us next week. Yeah, next week we will be talking probably SEC and uh, AAC, so the American and the SEC Conference. All right. Sounds good. Good Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Y'all have a good night. Take care.